0: Ruh-roh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday again, and it's time for MSP Initiative. We are still following up on our monster 7,000-plus mile tour that we took across America. Today, we bring back our friend, Mr. Ken Patterson, and now we bring in the one, the only, Mr. Matt Lee, who, by the way, has introduced me to the concept of a beard barber. I haven't had that before. That's <laughs> new. That was stinks. new for me.
1: Yeah, there yeah, are so How's
0: everyone How's everyone doing today?
1: It's awesome, man. I'm doing great. How about you, Ken?
2: I'm uh, I'm awesome. I got the tour bus behind me ready to go, you know, just uh
1: That's nice. I'm like not that? helping you take down that awning. Like I cannot physically help you this time. Whenever <laughs> it's time to move. So,
0: yeah. Now, there was a lot of uh there was a lot of movement for sure. Um, Matt, you know, uh, you know, we've had a bunch of the other guys that were on the bus uh, on at various times, and uh, we've we've really gotten a lot of different perspectives, right? Because everybody on the bus had a different view of the world. Um, You know, you having come from one organization that turned into a much larger organization, and now from a position where you're talking to companies, you got to talk to people from a completely different mindset, right? Point of view. And, um, you, you know, everyone knows you as, you know, one of the security guys, the security focused guys in the industry. So I'd love to kind of get like just an intro synopsis on, you know, what you felt you saw on the road and, you know, where you think, uh, where you think things were, right? I mean, we're not that far removed, but I'd love to just get your kind of overall. It was,
1: it was, it was neat, man. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I am not a vendor. I'm not involved in a vendor space that's that's typically defined as channel, right? I'm a unique situation where I am channel. I mean, I spend most of my day talking to other MSPs or to or to other people or other partners, but we wouldn't be considered in that, right? And so what was really neat for me was actually to see the other side of, of what work process goes on for a vendor, right? How much work is going into writing articles, how much work is going into having discussions with partners about the things they need and 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 the focus on what makes you successful, what are your numbers, what are your metrics, what are your KPIs, what are the things that matter to you about getting seats places, about accomplishing your mission, about driving the value you're intending to drive so you can both show it for the MSP, but also for the people that are paying for it, right? I mean, in that conversation, I think there's, you know, it's a really unique thing to be able to step on the other side of the fence. Even when you go to a event, when you go to a vendor, put on an event that's through one of the major players or one of their own, you don't get that same other side of the glass view. I got two weeks of the other side of the glass view, including washing laundry, right? I mean, every single aspect of that. Um, and I think there's a camaraderie lesson to be learned there, though. I mean, I think there is a deeper understanding of, of how vendors are partners and how they deliver our value to us. And so I think that was a very unique perspective that I was able to have. And, and I, I actually took away some very interesting, you know, just thoughts about how we can be better to the vendors in the things they're trying to accomplish so that it does, you know, float all boats. Right. So that, that the rising tide does that. So, um, yeah. Well,
0: one, one thing is for sure. We next time laundry detergent, we should bring that along <laughs> and, you ain't lying. and
1: maybe enough oh, weight man. on top of that shaky dryer. Right. Like just to keep her in, in yeah. check.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not all washers and dryers are created equal for sure. What about, uh, you know, what about uh, your hotel experience, Matt? I think there was at least one stop where I uh, you know, <laughs> you thought you were going to go across the counter and, and have to clear things up
1: yourself. There, there may have been some failures in overall technological systems that put us at a time at 2 a.m. a m. in a Very uncomfortable and not very pleasant state about being told we had no rooms that we booked eight hours ago. But uh, the, it got sorted out, uh, if you will. And then as we're getting through that you know fiasco, we get told we can't park our tour bus. <laughs> so oh, yeah. here we have just fought through this giant pain and the manager goes, mm, can't park it here. You have to park it over that real sketchy lot with the guy in the crowbar, right? Like it was, it was rough, man. Yeah, there was some, certainly some frustration and I, uh, I didn't wear it well. Let's just put it that way. I, I was as friendly wow. as could be with the delivered message intended.
0: Somebody had to do it. And it sounds like you, you you volunteered before anyone else had a chance.
1: It was a proximity situation. What What's funny was when I turn around, I'm like, everybody, back on the bus. We're leaving. And then, then the guy's like, oh, wrong David Lee. I apologize. You do have a room. So I think two thoughts, right? The first thought is awesome. And the second thought is, boy, David Lee's going to be pissed. He was. He was right <laughs> behind was. us, remember? Yeah, we got the, the guy came the in. We got to watch or, it a
2: couple times. Did yeah, the guy yours? came in heard you say that and heard the guy say his thing
1: turned oh, around and no. walked right back yeah. up <laughs> didn't even check in just said see ya uh, he, had it was he, great. Had a,
0: he had a he had a pretty sweet charger i'll tell you that yeah <laughs> oh, um, so 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 you had a chance to talk to different sized people right matt and yeah. you know and, and ken ken's you know been sharing his opinion the whole way through and, and we got different people who are at different levels of maturity not to borrow a page from um Mr. Dipple, who I, I call hashtag Doctor Doom, but um, operational maturity. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we we, we was actually pretty comical, right? Uh, was you know you are you're up on all of these breaches, right, and cybersecurity incidents, and it was kind of the topic of the day when we could beat you to the headline. Yeah, there was a couple. Uh, I think I got you, twice. Yeah, I I got it was you cool, twice specifically, but but as you were talking well, as you were talking with people. You know what was the general sentiment, right? From where people are, right? Um, of there's still a lot. Of, yeah, there's still a lot of conversation about you know delivering the you know get, getting over the price point objection of some of this stuff, right? I mean, it should be standard practice. It should be part of the bundle. But when you have an existing customer, you know, I'm sure everybody was was asking a question: How do you get them to the other side without you know? having a coronary i'm sure patterson has a different opinion on this but since you're mr security and you were talking to people about this very topic what was the general sentiment on that
1: so you have a couple things to unpack there right like where are people on it i think there's not an msp today that doesn't say man i need to deal with security somehow i don't don't think there's anybody at this point that can say that if they are then good on them but you know the, the the thought process is i think the overall understanding of the lack of knowledge is there I think the problem is that fairly universally you either have some fairly universally as an organization, the knowledge isn't there. I think that's a fair statement. even even if you were to look at iconic as an organization, the, the knowledge isn't there. Are the tools there? Yes. Are we having our, our clients consume those stacks? Yes. Are we doing those pieces? Yes. But if you asked an infrastructure admin, what a principle of least privilege? or what role-based access control or discretionary, non-discretionary, all the things, just a nomenclature of security, the actual words of security, the things that we need to understand so that you and I can speak the same language and understand each other aren't there, right? And so what's happened is you see this rise up in the market of democratization of tools where you can buy the tools, you can get some professional service and help, but you hit on it perfectly, George, the communication layer, the ability to help a client partner understand the value of what you're doing, because it's not just tools. I always say this, a box of Ferrari parts doesn't make a Ferrari. I still have to have a mechanic, a shop to put it together in, the will to put it together. All of those pieces have to come together in one concert to make it happen. Security is the same way. A customer partner doesn't just deliver their end product. There's an orchestration along that space, whether it's something they physically make, whether it's something they intellectually make, there's a, there's a, there's a process. Security is a process, and it requires the partner being involved, it requires us being involved. It requires us thinking about it and setting up the stage for success. But I would say that it doesn't matter the size of the of the MSP today. None of us are good at conveying a correlation between business productivity and business risk, and cybersecurity needs and the things that have to change. We're not good at it, right? I think that's a altruism across the board. Even pointing fingers internally. Uh,
0: a, lot, a lot, you know, Ken. I mean, your community calls has been going on since what March. And we've heard all sorts of stories on that call, right? From MSPs who have got hit themselves on ransomware to their customers getting hit, to their customers wiring money to who they thought was their vendor, was a third party bad guy, to multi-factor authentication and single sign-on has been, you know, I know Matt's real big on the SSO tax <laughs> conversation. Yeah. I mean, what, Why? why is it so hard? Is it because there's just too many islanded tools and, they just don't all talk to each other? Is it because there's, uh, again, the pricing concern we mentioned just now? Like what is the general roadblock?
1: Your I don't want to cut Ken off here, but it, you yeah, literally you just codified it yourself. Even your questions were scoped around the tools, their cost and their application. When I would be so better served going to a client and saying, let's talk about a business impact analysis. Let's talk about what applications you use. Let's talk about their criticality. Let's understand how I protect them and how I make them available, right? If you're an MSP that understands confidentiality, availability, right? You're starting to understand the CIA model, right? You're starting to understand that, you know, I can have it available. It's confidential, right? I have those things. And when you start talking about it, you sell the tools, you sell the service. We are not understanding that it's not about the tools, it's about the actual blocking and tackling of caring about your applications, defining their criticality, understanding their risk to your business organization, and overall, codifying an understanding of risk. If you do that first, I don't say, damn it, I'm about to die and this blood pressure medicine is $250. I buy the blood pressure medicine because I believe in the death. Clients and us don't believe in that. We believe that we can buy a tool and it solves it, but, but you have to have that old regimen. If I just bought the blood pressure medicine and consumed a ton of salt and ate red meat and did all the bad stuff that does bad things to your blood pressure, then I didn't holistically solve the problem. I treated a symptom of the problem. That's what we don't understand as MSPs. My, you know, it, It's dawning on all of us to understand. For forever, vendors have brought us the tools. They're right. We need them. I can't go and cut down a tree without an ax. right? I, I can't do those things. Hey, George, George Matt's, Matt's, Matt's got this. I'll see you later
0: Uh, yeah
2: yeah i I agree of course i agree with everything he just said and that's what what i was going to say it's not that hard what's hard is the understanding part the problem is that we have the same problem we all discuss we talk about level of maturity for an msp we talk about you know we throw that term trunk slam or gets thrown out a lot right it's, the, it's because this widespread difference of maturity levels for MSPs, and I believe it's easy from a standpoint of what Matt just said. Anybody out there listening who's confused about this part of it, get things in line first. The BIA should be the very first thing, right? You should be doing these business impact analysis. You should be going with gut analysis, you know, the gut matrix. You should be doing SWAT. all these processes to determine what the real problem is to prescript to prescribe what you need right i have all these tools and this should help
0: but in all fairness ken right these acronyms you're throwing out there now that's not part of a lot of people's onboarding process they're scanning right. the network
1: maybe that's using what i'm saying it should be is what i'm that. saying
2: you're right that's yeah. the problem how do you go into some place make a uh, to, to to matt's analysis it's perfect how do i go in and say hey matt You got high blood pressure. I can see your face is turning red. Like, that's how I'm doing it. That's it. I didn't do any tests. I didn't, you know, it's the same idea. And you didn't get my buy-in,
1: right? Because you didn't do those tests.
2: Right. And so it's the same idea. Everything that Matt just said is 100% spot on. And George, you're right. But it's simple. It's very simple. Learn what the processes are first. To become a doctor, you have to learn how to diagnose a problem. That's what we're missing here, the diagnosis. We're just going in and saying, man, you need security. You need all this stuff. This is what's going to fix your problem.
0: So so Matt, what does the onboarding process now look like? If you're going at Iconic, maybe it's not proprietary to Iconic, but if I'm going in to look at a prospect who went to my website, filled out a form and said, I need help. And they're just talking about somebody helping them with IT. How does the onboarding, how does the prospecting, site surveying, you know, kind of process look like now to incorporate the security stuff?
1: So so let's, you know, to unpack that and just focus on the actual prospect slash conversation, right? Assuming that you have a full stack and you want to sell X dollars a seat for that full stack and you don't want to delineate. Let's assume that's the parameter for this conversation, which I think it should be, right? So you come in with this conversation, you have this probably fairly high priced product, right? That you have to have people understand. Well, imagine you're selling Air Jordans, right? There's been a lot of work to make that an icon. There's been a lot of work to have people instantly see that and go, that's the next Air Jordan. I got to get them. They don't they don't think about the price. They don't think they understand it. What we have is a problem that we're selling something they don't understand. They don't understand that their view of risk has been wrong forever. But I think if you focus on selling from a security perspective, even without all the nomenclature, let's just say, honestly, there there is some degree of a, Boy, somebody executed me for this, but fake it till you make it capability here, right? But let's just say that the prospecting now becomes trying to help people understand how a cybersecurity framework even works, right? If you're a small to mid-sized business, and I ask you, do you have fire insurance? The answer is gonna be, yeah, I have fire insurance. If I ask you the next question of, do you have kerosene lanterns in all very precariously placed locations? Yes. Are they all burning? Yes. Are you playing kickball inside during said? <laughs> yes. Have you put papers on the floor to conveniently allow... The problem is, is that we don't have a way to show people stuff they've, they've written off in their mind. I don't understand technology, so I don't want to think about it. But we can show them those things, right? There's very effective uh, solutions to bring that down to help people understand. One of them, I hate given the ubiquitous plug, but you know, ConnectWise's framework for selling cybersecurity through Jay Ryersian team is the house, where they say, okay, let me talk about my house, right? I have defend, identify, you know, protect, detect, right? All the, the pieces of a cybersecurity framework but I'm going to apply them to a house. I'm going to say, okay, how do, I, how do I protect my house? I have a yard sign out front that says I have an alarm, right? I have doors that close the holes we go in with our bodies and out with our bodies. I have locks on those doors so they stay locked. Right? Those are all things. When you get in, how do I defend it? I have a shotgun. I have, I have a German shepherd or two. Right? I, have, I have things to defend. And so what you do is take people through that journey to understand the words, the defend, to identify, detect, protect, right? identify, be, I have a list of my crap. That's a business impact analysis. It's a list of my crap. Now, when you're prospecting, you know what those craps are and what they are to support. So you've already gained that. So I would say that a prospecting journey takes them through the understanding nomenclature aspect of just what is cybersecurity, right? It'd be very smart to put your tools in each of those boxes so that you can say, this is what they do and correlate that. But then you get into a, here's how we do prospecting. I'd love to talk to you about your business. Great. What do you use as your main way to pay your employees and just get canned questions that get the information of what's important and then ask questions like this okay george if i took away you said quickbooks for payroll if i took away quickbooks for six weeks what does that do to you holy hell it's horrible i can't live what about a day Ah, eh, we'd probably get through or it unless it's payroll day but even then like people be okay we'll figure it out we'll make paper checks okay cool got you right that just establishes your restore point objective your restore time objective or at least your restore time objective not your store point objective but you can also start talking criticality if someone says i need this up in 15 minutes the criticality is higher than something six weeks right and so you can start talking about that and then what you do is you sell through that story and say hey that's awesome our backup through blah 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 is amazing at this and it re- removes how long you've got to wait on that now, how long back would you need to go if, like, this was missing? Do you need to find out about Johnny and the state of QuickBooks three years ago? Or do you only need it the last two weeks? Or is it where, Where's that? Great. Our tools do that. We've already got that. You start correlating the benefits to something they had already written off. They didn't understand risk. But I guarantee if you tell somebody you have fire insurance, does that mean you're going to kick over a kerosene lamp? No, I'm not kicking over a stupid lamp. Yet you do it every day by not having two-factor. Yeah, you do it every day by not having a baseline on your on your devices. Yes, you do. So all of those things are things where you start to correlate and, and slap them with it. Hell, I don't mind that aspect of let me just give you something and correlate it to something you already said. It's called closing the gates, right?
0: Matt, primarily what you just said has been more you talking to business decision makers, check signers, C-level people, owners, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This is more of a – interview style question and answer this isn't i went and i ran some sort of other special right. tool on their network to figure these answers out right? yeah
1: 100 percent. i mean i think there's a component for adding contextual data like that like it's great it's nice to be able to show where somebody's failed but the point is what if you took the conversation away entirely instead of it being about where someone succeeded or failed and i found patch level seven's not done this is going to scare the shit out of you they're they're not wrong But how much context did I have if I'm just gonna spin the plate better and they're still not engaged, right? You have to get that engagement at the very start, in my opinion, right? And I'm struggling to to make sure my people understand this too. But if you start having that conversation, it's not a sales cycle anymore. It's a constant cycle, right? You've, You've got them on board. Now it's the pieces that get me lower blood pressure so I can stop taking the medicine. It's the pieces that, right? It's those aspects that allow me to continuously be a value add in the business. Guess what we just described? trusted advisor, the entire pivot that has to come in this in this entity or we don't make it in my opinion I, we're not going to be able to spin plates and hide what we do for long enough
2: yep yeah Brent, it's 100% Brent, the, right, Brent. The, the right way to go yeah. and we're talking Brent, about the business becoming favorite, more consultative
0: yeah our favorite uh, our favorite checker and Brent is <laughs> <Brent says, laughs> establishing a rapport with the prospect talking take talking to them in their language and then obviously taking in their concerns yeah, yeah, 100% agree. I mean, so, so let's pivot
1: to Brent's point, right? It's getting them yeah. involved in the process, uh, you know. Well, it's not about enough. them.
2: You're not talking about you and your stuff. You're talking right. about their stuff, right? Yeah. What matters to them? Oh, oh, that matters to you? Oh, we can protect that with X, exactly. right? It's, it's more doing that. A deeper dive into what their needs are, because that's really what it's supposed to be out in the, about in the first
1: place. Yeah, and, and it often comes into oh yeah, we do that, and that would normally be a twenty dollars endpoint cost, and we, we're already part of that's already part of our stuff. Like, you right. know, when they start doing that subtractive analysis to go, holy crap, that's a value. Like, I couldn't even go get all these things and administer them with the FTEs I have. Um,
0: so, so Matt, I guess the big question is like, let's say you're let's say you're an MSP who's maybe not. All the way down to, hey, I'm still selling per device per month and stuff like that, but maybe they're not all the way to the point where all the security stuff's buttoned up and they're mid-agreement and they now have to go back to their their customer and almost re-interview them, right? In order to have the conversation, right? Because otherwise- Again, the biggest hurdle we hear all the time is, hey, in order to actually plug the gap, it could be another 25 to 45 to $50 per user per month in additional okay. things. And now you're going back to your existing customer and asking them to spend more when it's yeah. something new that's out of the field. I mean, how does that conversation go in your opinion?
1: You know, I, I think you, you hit a nail on the head of what everybody's fear is. And it, it's an actual problem, right? You're negotiating from a very soft position in a lot of cases. There's the reason we talked about before, an educational barrier in the sense that you haven't done enough to have them believe that the kerosene lamps are there, right? You, you haven't done those things to help educate and say, not having two-factor authentication or not having these things in place are ridiculous. You need this piece in. Not having an AI-based antivirus that can actually do some type of response with humans means that, that you're gonna have this risk as a problem, right? And I think that if you don't have that agreement, you can't sell it. There's nothing to sell because they don't believe in the risk. They don't believe in that this mitigates said risk, right, because they don't believe in the risk. And so I think you're seeing a changing of tide in that where the consumer is starting to understand that. And I think this is a better time for a mea culpa in this world than we've ever had before, right? If you start explaining and saying, yeah, how many times, and just do the data is beautiful. There's a dataisbeautiful.org that'll show you the breach load and you can do it by year. So you can show a year of 2010 and show a year of today and it's just dots on a screen and how big they are. You've seen my background with that before. Well, if you look at 2012 compared to today, which is presumably when you made your last massive change to your tool stat or 2014 or whatever, and compare those two to the the client, you'll look at a breach load of tiny not touching dots to, oh my hell, these are overlapping, the whole world's on fire. Not to create that FUD or fear, uncertainty and doubt, but just to say that my job is to help you understand the landscape is changing. Do you have changes in your dump truck costs? Or do you have new licensure agreements that you didn't have before doing business? Or do you now have to pay for this when you didn't used to? That is the evolvation of markets. So first off, you have the evolvation of markets. And second, you have this massive shift in the overall threat landscape dropping down to the SMB from the corporate space. Oh, and guess what? The corporate guys have been doing this and reassessing their budgets ad nauseum for the last 20 years. We are the failure. We as MSPs, and we as SMBs are the failure in understanding the risk. As the risk pivots down to the SMB, we have not adapted properly.
0: But it's a unique time, Ken. I'm gonna, you, know, you are running an MSP for a long time. You, you hear this all day long. You have, hey, I want to start adding more stuff to secure you. Oh, by the way, we're in a pandemic and you know, I'm trying to save money, right? These are opposite forces that don't go well in many cases. What are you, like, how do you combat that from your perspective, Ken?
2: Yeah, I think um, I agree that those are opposite forces, but I also agree that there are, if you're choosing some verticals that can rise at, even during a pandemic, like we've seen, like clearly if you were only dealing with dentists, you were in some serious trouble, right? The dentists, you couldn't go to the dentist and have their hands in your mouth during this type of (laughs) a pandemic like this. So, you know, that hurts. But if you were Dealing with, uh, you know, doctors that are a little bit more critical in nature, nature, those guys started to do in-home appointments, right? We started to get video uh, medical calls, right? And started to add that on. So those guys needed to be secured and needed to have things happen in place a little bit faster. So, I mean, yeah, sure, it's easy to look back now and say, oh, I should have did this vertical as opposed to that vertical. But it also leads into our conversation of don't lock yourself into one vertical either, Try to get you can still be good at multiple verticals and do other things so that you make sure you have that balance. So if one vertical takes a hit, you're still good somewhere else. The main thing is, I think Matt can can uh, you know uh, add to this as well. That climb that you're talking about was something that would have taken us years to get past before all this happened. The pandemic multiplied it times five, maybe ten times, pushed it that that far into the future. We are now every single person is like. We need, to, we need to get our people working from home. We need to have them be secure. This cloud stuff is for real. We're going to need it to protect us. Um, so from that perspective, you know, that's where the balance comes in, right? You have more people that need more of that. And, yeah, there's going to be some projects that are going to take a hit, as Matt has alluded to us before. Some projects slowed down, but other projects picked up with this cloud-type stuff. Um, and, Matt, I'll let you answer that question, but I also have an add-on to that. After all of this, right? We pushed to the cloud. We're talking about single sign-on, and then yesterday Microsoft goes completely <laughs> down, and we can't work. You well, know, that tasted bad yesterday. Yeah, it definitely did. And so, you know, do you foresee there being some kind of backup to a problem like that? Because I got to be honest, being down for three hours, four hours was painful.
1: Yeah, uh, let's 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 put a pin in that answer because there's a good. <laughs> I uh, I actually have some really interesting thoughts on that, but. Um, to the to the original question, I, I think <clears throat> I think the stopping of spending and contraction of the economy. I mean, let's just be honest; they're both going hand, hand in hand. Not to get political in that conversation, but those two pieces are temporary. I think what comes out of this, it really is the three phases Microsoft has identified. And I guess I'm being the douche and cutting off the fourth one, but I'm calling it the three. All right? See, we have your react, right? We, we did that, we reacted, we sent people home, we set up VPNs, we, if we were in the case of b boy, we're significantly more prepared and SIP just follows us, right? We have those things. Um, and then there's the recover. We're in recover now. I mean, I'm not saying we're in recovery. I'm not saying this is done, but I'm right. saying we're in the understanding that we have to start building the pavement and the ones that are healthy will spend and the ones that are not healthy will die or will potentially survive and go through some pain right? But, but you will see this contraction. We're already seeing it. We're seeing it from a revenue number. We're seeing it from, you know, we're seeing it. As this plays out, that will continue. But, but I, I proffer that we already have some really neat conditions in front of us as MSPs. You know, prior to this COVID situation, I was already standing up saying there's studies out there that say we're at 50% to 60% greenfield out there right now. And now we've got a subset of these giant pool of companies that have never touched MSP. Even if half of the companies died in the world, Those other half are a potential replacement, especially as we get into the recover and reimagine stages, right? Microsoft's reimagine is so pivotal in this conversation because we can do things different. I don't have the same paradigm. I can hire someone somewhere else. I can protect at point of use. I've redesigned my network that I might not need an office and I'm gonna reduce 35, $40,000 a month in spending. And I'll put that into my people at their house and I'm gonna spend $200 stipend a month for them and it's gonna be significantly cheaper or it's gonna be a distribution of that, or it's gonna be a different experience. So I think what's gonna happen is it's very nebulous. This is gonna change a lot over the next year because of this catalyst, right? What happens in a chemical uh, equation when you put in a, a platinum catalyst? It explodes, it goes exponential, it changes faster, it's hotter, it's finished faster. It's, we're going through a catalyzing pr- process from the exposure to the COVID catalyst, and it's already played out in ways we couldn't have ever predicted a year ago, and certainly in two, it won't look the same. So I think we're in the middle of this ability to redefine yourself as an MSP in correlation to having to win and make up for the loss in business or change to make up for the different landscape. I mean, we're in change. We get to make it what it is. And people are in a very malleable state because of that change, right? So I I think that there's some really neat stuff that comes. Now, back to yesterday, which was a giant poop sandwich, right? They always say don't nibble. Um, We had already planned for a lot of this in the sense that we had already codified our critical asset list. With what our escape clause from SSO would be, um, at least if nothing else here uh, for some of them. Um, but the, the thought for me kind of dips into an understanding of decentralizing IDP potentially, where you're able to either through blockchain methodologies or other things, bring two services in conjunction as an underlying single source of truth outside of today's deliverable capabilities. But I do believe that there's the need, you know, one of the things we even kicked around was seeding a separate IDP and feeding the IDP into the other SAML applications, right? Because I'm totally single sign-on. And so we either have OIDC or or SAML connections to all these applications. If we had a backdoor into those applications that was protected in a way that made sense and was, was scalable, combined with the ability, whether that's through their support or whatever it is, to validate oneself and change to another IDP, or even better, to make the IDP a load-balanced solution would be some really cool architectural changes coming. But not today today you kind of got a single source of truth single point of failure combination problem right and that's what that was yesterday single point of failure of all my identities (laughs) and single source of truth that failed (laughs) so right Um,
0: to be fair fair, matt they had a similar issue with being able to sign in and out of office or microsoft 365 applications in q1 and q2 when there was a certificate issue right so the same result different issue right it wasn't the same problem in both situations. Here's
1: the cool part. And it's one that's not going to be popular with you. Um, Mm. Is that when you are you or private cloud that's outside of Microsoft space, you are absolutely a rounding error in the overall size of things. So if they're down universally on on LinkedIn, I had people going, yep, me too, bud. Time to go play golf, looks like. And so you have this somewhat of a, oops, economy pause. And guess what? We've proved economy pauses work, baby. I mean, oh, wait. No, maybe we haven't, but <laughs> the point being, I do believe it's that too big to fail. Government cloud was involved, right? Even though there was these major issues, you have a certain critical mass estimate, right? That, that gets created almost it's okay. The only reason we're pissed when our systems are down is because our clients are pissed our systems are down and theirs are not and they have problems like that. But if we're all down, and it's ubiquitous. Nobody's gonna come over, you son of a bitch. You set right. me up for this. Microsoft nah, Microsoft. Like this. Uh, well you know, Microsoft. Google was down too, by the way. Google Google had issues
2: as well. So it's kind of an interesting thing that I, I Google, think if Microsoft, we unpack
1: this further. We're gonna find Microsoft. this was a factor.
2: And the SSO Experience. problem obviously caused issues for everybody, connect wise, like yeah, all so the one. all the tools that were using SSO all <laughs> got affected by it it exposes right. the
1: weaknesses of stuff that works whenever those sessions break though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean listen, I'm not I'm not here going to go scream that, you know, Microsoft doesn't have problems. They're not perfect. They never have been. And I don't nobody is. And, yeah. and but from the terms of backup, right? I obviously have a very unique view where I'm like, "Hey, listen, if I'm if I'm you know, tunneling into Teams, right? And adding flavor onto their existing offering, and Teams goes down, hey, I'm still processing behind the scenes, right? I've already have a built-in failover mechanism for what yeah. I do. But yeah. that's not necessarily the case for all things, right? I mean, no. so it just it does double down though, right? We've said it a couple times about things like backup. You know, like I had a customer uh, for, uh, of an MSP, I was on a conference call and they're like, hey, you know, like if we wanna move our server to the cloud, then what, is, what happens to backup? We don't have to worry about that, right? We can just shut that off. And I'm like, <laughs> no. No, that's not the case. Just now, you backup move design needs
1: to be outside there. of that outside of that footprint, right? Like now, right. you start thinking about how you how you protect backup against systemic failures. Um, and right. that so is all, I, all my all my
0: all my contribution to the call was was you're just moving dollars to another component, right? There's no, hey, I'm doing it to save money. No, I'm doing it to be more agile. But that doesn't mean that I'm turning this off. I can't just put all my 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 food in one basket, kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and I think there's some really interesting solutions out there, right? Like, I mean, even if you think about email and file level, look at DropSuite or, or SkyKick and the things they do, right? They're they're absolutely building out of band platforms that I can go into and see my data, especially think of like SharePoint. I redirect all my files to share well if they back that up and I can at least in you know in name go get to them and have an identity that, that is a, bit, a ba- available to available be split from your single sign-on if necessary allows you to have a kind of of out-of-band platform, not just backup. And so I think you said it right. makes me more agile until my heels are cut and we're all dead, but I now can go and and run my continuity of operations. The the neat thing about this is all of the titled pieces, all the titular aspects of what we just talked about, are things that you should learn in cybersecurity, right? A business impact analysis, getting that into a business continuity plan. And then for a much longer answer, a coup, right? A continuity of operations plan. And 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 once you know those things, you know, yesterday at 5 p.m., we kicked off our business continuity plan internal at Iconic. We scheduled our next step when we were going to start carving apart services at 5 a.m. this morning, right? We, we, we stepped those in. Why? You know, I'll bring it back to the Boston police chief after the bombing, right? He, he actually went into cybersecurity, ironically enough. And, and what he's done is he, he stood on the stage a couple years ago and he said, you know, the reason we were able to, to solve this so quickly to, to, to bring the, the perpetu- perpetrators to justice was not because we had great police on the ground or because we responded well, it was because we spent 363 days planning, getting reciprocal agreements with the FBI, getting our plans in place of how we were going to respond in certain eventualities, table topping those eventualities, extending those failures and correcting them and being better at that. What I'm telling MSPs today is that security is really just the blocking and tackling language of what IT has been all along. We've Mm -hmm. talked about technology, we've talked about the availability part, we've talked about the usability part, we've talked about those things, but not talking about the confidentiality part, not talking is why privacy laws exist. It's why we don't have backups set up the right. It's why we don't think, but if you start down this path, you will pivot to become the trusted advisor you need to be to survive not spinning plates. Right? I'm not gonna do servers forever. I'm not gonna put patches on forever. I'm not gonna do those things. Those things are systemically being solved. Right? They're being solved by adoption of SaaS. How much easier it is for you to write one big teams integration that's beautiful I might add compared to writing to teams and Tloms and Tulum's and Talibis and Talabis and all the different thousands of things some jagoff could have put on their server before. It's much more linear. It's much more homogeneous. It's
0: programmable. Yeah. Scale is definitely different for sure. Well, let's pivot for a second because since we're on the Microsoft topic and we could talk about Microsoft probably. Well, God bless us all. One of the more recent, one of the more recent kind of current events is, this lighthouse right they announced this at ignite i can uh, neither confirm
1: nor deny the presence of lighthouse
0: well i mean it's public (laughs) information now right we're good
1: then the NDA is good no um yeah
0: so it's it's out there it's in the wild.
1: yeah i've been on Um, the lighthouse beta um now for a while um and what microsoft is like if you distill it all you bring it all down to what is it my it is the manifestation of Microsoft understanding the market value of SMB period. It is the hmm. understanding that they are finding ways to enable and empower MSPs and multi-tenant owners to bring the extensibility of security, of platform scale, bring the ability to say, you know what, we want that integration of B We're just going to script that. That's just gonna happen from now on. We're going to inject that every day with a template. Like that's it. Now my deployment becomes programmatic and orchestrated on things like it, I don't think people understand how much of an impact the Intune and the extensibility of Intune in a multi-tenant stack are going to have on our industry. Um, yep. You know, in the past, oh, we're hold on, inventing- a hold on. Yeah, yeah. back
0: up, Backup, okay. beep, beep, beep. All right. So Patterson has been on the record many times. That joke. That like that's not cool. <laughs> Intune, Intune prior to six or seven or eight months ago was like, psh, psh, don't really go and put too much time into it. Right, true. Obviously things change obviously things have changed, but the big question here is, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to dump my tools, adopt lighthouse. That doesn't solve my third party issue. No. Well, that no is and that's, that's
2: Yeah. But <laughs> hey, how about, how about this? And I'm going to do what you do. Cause you did have Mr. Sobel on here not too long ago. And to quote Dave Sobel, and I think it was a valid, a very good point was look, do you need to drop everything now and go run uh-huh. into lighthouse? No, but what you do need to do is recognize this is a big deal for the future and you should start planning for the future. And I think when, yeah. that's one thing I took out of Sobel's whole entire thing. There's a lot of good points, but I do believe what he said was spot on. Smart People guy. have to start looking at the future. Don't just run and uh, run at this stuff or go the other way and just bury your head and say, ah, it's nothing. This is not going to be a big deal. Look, Pay attention to it, look at it and start planning for the future. Well, not only for this, but Matt, would you agree that, that if, if things are starting to move to the cloud, RMM is going to be used less and less from a device standpoint?
1: Well, you obviously know where I sit from an advisory role. So <laughs> I will say that in a metered fashion, it is up to the oh. RMM providers to understand what they can provide from a scale perspective to stay relevant. And I'm
2: I not saying 100%. tomorrow, I'm, just, I'm no,
1: saying no, in no, the future. I think you're 100% right. If we, if we wrote this, you know, and, and private equity pays me a lot of money to answer this question lately, it seems. They've asked it four times. But, you know, I think the answer is yes. If you looked at today, what the workload is for an MSP, it is infrastructural, predominantly. Are we driving towards SaaS pass? Better well be. But it's infrastructural. So the RMM is valid. It is valid. Totally. Group. Three to five to seven years right depending on I think what happens with our catalyst here but it's only valid as the workload shifts out and away from infrastructure and into cloud if they extend and bring that extensibility to bring the same pane of glass the same business operations the same things we do building taking tickets working through the if they stay relevant and don't fight upstream and say no into it never matter it doesn't the, the, right? The, that's the only answer.
0: Yeah, is my is that already happening? SolarWinds announced that, that back inspired. Right. Inspire. I may right? have they're, just presented to a
1: thousand people about that at SolarWinds this morning. Yes, I might very well have been discussing this. <laughs> um,
0: I mean, right time, right place, right people. I mean, but so, so really what, what we're saying is, hey, Microsoft's starting to automate the low-hanging fruit on their own side, right? Yeah, just tie in and then concentrate on the problems that aren't solved yet. Is that what yeah, we're talking but about? But
1: they're complimentary. I think, I don't want anybody to miss this real key point. What is one of the biggest struggles today that wasn't before COVID? And I'll give you the answer in a hint. What happens when I wanna find a machine that doesn't have my agent and network? You gonna probe Sally's house? What are you gonna do? How are you gonna find them? You go, okay, what if now magically, just because of something I am, which brings it back to security nomenclature, Right, something I am, something I have, something I possess, right, or something I know, right, so something I am, I'm Matt, my identity, Matt Lead, Iconic IT is now indelibly said if I touch a Microsoft product and I scrape the edge of Active Directory, the following things are going to happen. Now, here's the most critical point that I figured out in the lab yesterday that I've stood on for very long, She heard it here first. In the past with Intune, if you bound in any other way of out of box you didn't get any of the Intune management extensibility. You couldn't do scripting. You couldn't do installs of applications. You could only do some cursory things. Guess what? 2000H2 healed. It will now, if you simply sign into Teams and you have an Intune policy set, it'll install things. Can you imagine where that would have validity? Oh, maybe installing my RMM and ensuring that because that RMM agent got installed on Sally's home computer, she decided to use that instead of her work computer because it's a little slower and she likes her gaming setup. Those things play out to a way that I'm going to bill for it. I'm going to bill for those two devices that Sally uses because I've set a policy, and now it's a immutable fact that once she sends in. So start okay. thinking about how well, it shifts our our world.
0: Well, Brent comes in and says, "Come on, guys. No matter how prevalent the cloud is, you still need a device to get there. That's where the RMM tools still need." Yeah, I don't think wrong. anybody's
2: saying that RMM's going away. We're talking about it's going to be needed less, right? If you're talking about a device that only does only tr- you basically turn it on and everything's, d- it just makes the connection and everything else is being done somewhere else. You don't need all the same tools there locally that you do mo- monitoring and managing the backend,
1: right? Yeah. Am I wrong there, Matt? That's correct. And I think what I'm getting at is there's going to be a transition. It'll happen over right. a long period of time. It'll yes, happen. it's going to take time. Loads, right? If I'm in a world like Iconic, I sign into a laptop that I've never touched before. It installs every tool I have to have, including my RMM. It installs all my security tools It encrypts my drive. It says to the compliance world these things happen, and it sets policies that say if it doesn't happen, Matt can no longer touch resources in a tie trading value from the most critical down to the least critical, right? And so those things were never possible in infrastructure. You could never indelibly say and immutably say, <laughs> if that person is them and they sign in, this is what's going to happen. You couldn't do it. So what I'm saying is the RMM should bring the extension of that, the things that Microsoft isn't good at. They don't have templates that allow me to do those things in a mass ba- basis. They don't have, multi-management that extends beyond some very cursory data sets right so the point being i think the rmm marriage to intune provides something the rmms would have had to coded themselves as an agent with some dns methodology they could have never forced someone to be tied to and yet now we have something that i have to touch i have to touch teams i have to sign into email i have to sign into my tools all those things touch the edge of the surface and now some set process desired state configuration is executed to bring that tool down to that endpoint. So I, I'm not arguing we won't have endpoints. I'm arguing that the ways we bring the control of those endpoints being integrated in the operating system right. have a much higher level of efficacy than if we lend on our traditional tool methodologies. So if that makes sense, <laughs> I saw I saw that George.
2: Thanks, <laughs> Brent. I, I love. No, it. no, but yeah. it, it, listen, love- you can say it out loud. But it's all electronics. It doesn't matter if it's cloud or it's still all equipment just somewhere else. So Brent said. That yeah, I, saw I it. uh, you see that. Okay. As long as I didn't know if we all, you all could see that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I, I do appreciate uh, the nobility delineation. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, what my point is that it's, it's just going to shift from one place to another. It's still all the same thing. It's just somewhere and, else. And
1: nor does fighting upstream change what really comes. And I think that's right. the one point and maybe I'm wrong on the timeline, but I, I don't believe I'm wrong on the, the momentum and mass that's playing out.
2: Yeah, I agree. So,
0: there's, so basically, if you haven't started looking into Intune, the modern version of Intune, and if you haven't started looking into Lighthouse, which is fairly new to the world from a public standpoint, yes. kick the tires a little bit and start paying attention kind of thing. And there's no um, way
1: to understand the context of it out there, right? I mean, there's there's this really loud, bald guy with a beard that does about six hours a week talking about it. so, <laughs> uh, And a bunch of others, too. <laughs>
0: Fair, fair. Um, all right. So, and then another thing, Brent, you know, rounding out his comments is so instead of one larger infrastructure, there's now an opportunity in many smaller home based, maybe infrastructure sounds like more business to me. So it's not a bad way to look at it. Right.
1: I mean, that's a that's really a, that's through, in my way. Yeah. And having indelible yeah, ways so. to say yes, client, if you do this action, I will be billing you for this device. And have that be meaningful in a way where everything's distributed and everybody's been sent to the winds, and you know, also in a point when you know bringing protection to the point of consumption is ever more present, and ever more important, right? Where you're saying if John signs into OneDrive on their computer and they have a keylogger or they have a a virus on that machine, I have now just exposed my trade secrets and I have no way to control that. Yes, you do. It's called Intune, and it's called saying, you know what, if you're going to do that, I'ma own it. You know, and it was funny because my VP of sales, I've told this story many times. I've said this to my people. They don't believe it. He signed in very early on after our merger on his home machine and goes, man, it's all encrypted. My gaming computer has all these tools that are really a problem. And this is ridiculous. Like, what's going on? I told you that indelibly, if you touch this, this is what is going to occur. The systemic failure drops to a systemic failure, right, predominantly as things become more and more and more normalized and the operating systems get more and more. Um, aware, I suppose, of the MDM capabilities.
2: Yeah, Brent, uh, I- I'm sure
1: we are working
2: on that. Still too new to be going out and educating. I think we're educating ourselves first, and then we'll, then we'll be educating on it, just like we educate on everything Microsoft.
1: Yeah, don't overthink it. Currently, Lighthouse really is just a shell to have multi-tenant view. There's so many challenges there. Some of them under NDA, some of them not. But there's there's permissions levels, right? One of the things that's challenging for me is I have five different regions. I don't want a guy in Dallas to get compromised and blow up my guy in, in Wichita or Galen Wichita, right? Like those things are not present. Microsoft doesn't think at scale for what we do. In fact, they have been very limited in their knowledge of how MSPs even function and what we are. I love listening to CEOs and CROs talk about what an MSP is and then go, holy crap, we were wrong. Right, because they're coming down from a corporate entity. They're coming down from one set of people that manage one organization, and those people are already privileged, and they don't deal with a lot of our back, and they don't deal with a lot of privilege type stuff. They don't, they don't, de- they don't deal with it. And yet now here we find ourselves in a position where if we continue to operate like that, we will be regulated out of existence as an industry, right? Because we'll be to the destruction of, of of millions. So I think that interesting things today. It's just a multi-tenant shell, but what it really should show you is how committed they are to understanding what we do and what that would mean to RMM providers, what that would mean to people and how they have to pivot. And I guarantee you, their boards, they're, they're asking it, right? They're going, okay, right. let's not ignore this, let's move forward. Um, but you also have this interesting world where if everything was SaaS and PaaS, does the device matter is a real question, right? I, I think as you start getting into some of those things, as long as the device state can always be guaranteed, does the device matter as much as the plan for everything that happens to that device? And I think that's just some interesting topics and some interesting chances for massive automation and scale.
0: Interesting. Yeah, for sure. So zooming out, right? I mean, we talked a lot about security. We talked a lot about cloud, talked a lot about Microsoft, talked a lot about identity, talked a little bit about outages. So what is, what is like, if you give me your, your predictions on 2021, at by
1: this time formation. I okay. think 2021, 2021 will be a year of regulation and formation. I think we're going to see some okay. critical court battles play out in 2021. Like the, you know, you've got your your first American financial corp. You've got the, the regional airport that's suing an MSP and setting a precedence for bare minimum standards, regardless of whether we've ever had a standard that we have to follow, right? I mean, so I think you're going to start having those questions get answered. Um, and I think that they're going to be answered in, micro regulations, they'll be entered state by state, they'll be entered in some forms in acts, privacy acts, whatever they may be. But, you know, we'll start seeing the attrition of those in the next two years. So, you know, right now, I have $3 million in revenue, right, guaranteed. I do business in New York. If I have a privacy act violation, I am subject to those laws and those fines. And depending on the number of records at $1,000 a pop, they could end my company. And yet, I'm not adequately prepared for that, even though I'm farther ahead than most MSPs would ever be. So the point being, if you think we're behind, look at what my company that we do business with, the people we support, how far behind they are. What happens when a third of them are facing privacy regulation problems? What happens when they're starting to have regulations on their, on their IT infrastructure, and you're starting to have to follow CMMC, and you're starting to have to follow 80171 or the Louisiana registration laws and MSP, or all of these things. I, I think next year is the year where we weed out the people that really understand how much is in our don't know, we don't know bucket. And those guys go away and and we start to feed the ones that go, Oh crap. There's so much. I don't know. There's so much. I don't know. I don't know. I've got to get compliant. I've got to understand what it takes to deliver what my fiduciary responsibility is. I've got to codify my responsibility. Well, for my clients, I've got to write better contracts. I've got to get better contracts with my vendors. I've got to understand my risk, right? When you start talking cybersecurity, all you are really doing is teaching people the other half of business. Right. The first half is can you balance a checkbook? Fan frickin' tastic. You can pay your bills. Can you understand, codify, plan, and mitigate risk? That's the question. And, and I think we'll either have it where we get to force feed it or we'll get better as an industry. We'll raise the tide, we'll float all boats.
0: To some, degree, to some degree, Matt, right? I mean- there's going to be a lot of outsourcing of this, right? No different than what we do if we were to bring yeah, in somebody yeah. to outsource HIPAA compliance or to outsource sure. SOX compliance or whatever, right? I mean, there's going to be people out there, you know, just like you would get an Avalara because you're doing business in five states and they all have different sales tax rules, right? You need somebody to tell you when something changes. I mean, to to, to expect every org to, to in-house all of this is not realistic.
1: Not realistic, but it doesn't have to be. What you're seeing is, Why do we make an argument to our clients that an MSP is better for them than three people that work for them? It's economies of scale, it's scale of process, it's automation scale, it's all of the things that bring scale to the same deliverable. Well, guess what? There's people that do that for us, right? They're generally the corporate blokes that have already existed and have been doing this for corporate. Like, let's not lie to ourselves. We're behind a decade and a half. As MSPs, we have been doing antivirus. We're good, great, antivirus is there. But has anybody had a risk profile? or an asset value, an asset loss estimation? Has anybody done any of the things to help you understand at a small to mid-sized business level what it takes to do cybersecurity effectively? And the answer is materialistically no, right? I mean, those things just aren't there. So we're gonna get it one way or the other. I I think you're seeing the momentum though. Pax8 has a program, ConnectWise has a program, Kaseya has a program, TigerPod will be exclusive. Everybody has a, hey, MSPs, let me help you learn more. Let me help you see more. Granted, are there product pitches and vendors and partners in that? Yeah. But as your knowledge and nomenclature goes up, the ability to understand what the pieces look like and what the puzzle hole looks like gets better. And I think that as you start to understand this partnering with experts aspect of it that we already live on, you'll find your middle ground somewhere over time. So,
0: so it, you know, because there's so many people creating so many of their own frameworks yeah Uh, right is is c which is the government defense contractor kind of grid for security is that now more or less what everybody's pointed to or is that not the standard yeah no that's
1: that's a cool question so there's no pointing yet i mean you certainly have vectors that are pointed in a direction right so you have your pci dss you have your you know your cmmc and you have those things but they're usually vectored what i think is happening though is each of those pieces has basically the same rough components, right? They have categorization that says, this is for detection, this is for response, this is for recovery, this is for those things. So it's really just like a prescription for how you do something, you know? But your, your frameworks vary from, you know, for example, ConnectWise is very tactical. It's very do this, then do this, then do this, then do this. And you have other ones that are much more educational and, and, and maybe a little bit more where you have to think and, and try to learn and codify your own stuff and how it functions, right? But at the end of the day, all we're all trying to do, all of them, is try to figure out how to escalate that knowledge so that people get the the entire totality of security. Now, as to why CMMC, in my opinion, is probably the most scalable methodology for us to extend that out, the way they thought about it was in gradients, right, one through four, where one basically means I got a firewall and I lock the doors and I'll put kerosene lamps up. And then three being I do most things in most categories and they're very efficacious and somewhat mature. And a four and a five, meaning I've demonstrated taking myself from a three to a four and a four to a five in and capabilities and, ab- and abilities. And so I think that what you then have that in conjunction with is capitalism playing out. In the sense that if I start saying, in order to get cyber insurance, we need to find out what asset class you're in from a classes of insurance, right? And a zero would mean no CMMC and a one would mean a one and a two, would- I now have classes of insurance. I can do actuarial data on the loss variance between those classes of insurance. I can determine efficacy as an insurer Right, banking, I can put risk on that. In the, the day, if I have a personal guarantee and my company goes under, great, they are guaranteed to get the no money I have, fantastic. Right, so you start having the yeah. situation where the banks take that loss and destroy our economy there. So they're all searching for some gradient. My thought is the ability to separate on CMC, CMMC, where you pay an auditor to come in and say, I'm doing these controls effectively is, is better. Now, I don't want anyone to mis- mis- misconstrue my statements. Compliance is not security. I can scope my answers to a compliance question in a way that I am so freaking insecure, but I pass. Yes, I do. But right? I've seen a SOC 2 where the SOC 2 is only on their ConnectWise. Great. What about all the other shit you do, right? Like the reality is compliance is not security. It's a good measure of the differences between different organizations and their ability to manipulate compliance and sometimes security, but it is a start. Right, It's an audited start where you get some human conjecture as to this is BS, manage is not all you do, I need more. And the more that the auditors understand those businesses through trial and error, the, the better those type of compliances get in, in my opinion. Um, hey George, before we get to the end of the
2: hour, I always do this to you because you can't, You know, we, we are talking about the bus and the trip and the tour. I think you have to ask Matt the most important question of the day and I'm sure uh, well, he'll agree. Uh-oh.
0: It's the question that everybody had to answer. What, what was your favorite food
1: along the trip? <laughs> man, mine was straight up Subway. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'll be honest, it was that little tiny place in Santa Fe that, that we got dragged to by a, a crazy truck driver, right? Like oh, he, really? was gonna, was, he was gonna that that make was that hell or high water. water. And the food there was fantastic. That was the it was favorite a one? The, I, mean, I definitely like go to Chow, but that's that's something you you find in big cities you can go do. Right, right, But right. this was one of those just you know we showed up after a really long wait and it didn't suck. Right, it was. Where did we get foam. there? What was the food? I don't even remember what we got there. It was like bar fare. I mean, it was all you know wings and and but it. Oh but it, it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Beer made <laughs> it amazing. So. Right, yeah. that so was. I, I thought you, you were going to say one of the food trucks, but. No, food trucks were good, but but I think it was the experience and camaraderie of after the event that was the most valuable to me. Um, the event's great, I love meeting MSPs, but I meet MSPs all day. I don't get to hang out with you guys all day. So uh, not on that side of the glass, I will.
2: And you will get to drive across the desert to some place in the middle of a neighborhood to eat?
1: Yeah, yeah, and park down a oh, very sketchy and stopped, neighborhood.
0: And get stopped twice by Border Patrol.
1: Well, I, I thought it was really interesting that, that Slade wanted to sell you to Border Patrol though. by <laughs> yeah, he got a foreign national back here. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> they that guy wanted anymore. no part of it. He knew Things exactly. Like that, they, they
2: already knew who everybody was in the vehicle anyways. Yeah, they but, had that but, data a long time ago. Yeah, our self right.
1: Geometry, right? So, but anyways. Oh, boy.
2: Um,
0: so, Matt, you talk a lot in a lot of places all week. How do people <laughs> file, find you, follow you, figure out where you're talking next?
1: Uh, LinkedIn. I, uh, I usually am very, 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 very active on LinkedIn, Cyber Matt Lee. Um, I will accept pretty much any connection request. I, I really am out here for the purpose of, yeah, granted, there's some vetting process, that goes into it, but just, just cursory. But, you know, I don't share any privileged information. And it really is the, you know, rising tides float all ships. I want people to be aware of what's out there. I want people to understand what's happening in the industry. And, and I, I try to share what I come across. And. Every now and again, George will beat me to one, but, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to follow me.
0: Uh, uh, so I know Brent was really topical. Yes, Brent, yeah, he, we, we just call him the beard. You yeah, know, that's what we call him. And yes, CMMC <laughs> is taking over defense. So there's yep, that. Yep. Uh, Ken, how do people find you on, uh, you know, online email, I don't know, wherever you want to be. Found. Um,
2: uh, yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. I'm not as open as Matt is on LinkedIn, but if you're an MSP and you want to connect on LinkedIn, I definitely will, will connect with you. Um, it's just Ken Patterson. Uh, I, you can email me anytime, K P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N at pax8.com. Uh, and I am pretty open to communications. My whole job is the community. So anybody wants to reach out, they can definitely grab me there.
1: Here's the reason I'll accept any request. Five seconds with OSINT, and you've already got everything about me anyway. It doesn't matter what I have that right? So... <laughs> I'm already a target as it sits. could be, could be the
0: bots, <laughs> man, the bots. Uh, so stay tuned, guys. We will make sure this recording gets online, just like all the other ones, that so you can rewind, fast-forward, pause, send Matt Lee and Ken Patterson mail saying, what, what were you drinking that day? Uh, yeah. And you'll find that dot com. You'll see our LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, all that jazz there. What's please up, please Alan Miller?
2: Leave- Sorry, I had to get my shout yeah,
0: out. Really right. All good. So make sure you follow us online. All of these videos go back to March. We have future ones coming up on Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. And stay tuned for future news because uh, you know we're trying to be out there and the year is not over yet. Let's make it happen. Stay in touch, everyone.
1: Thanks See for you, having guys. me, guys.